When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gow. Woohoo! It is. That's me, Bob Flounders, woohooing. It is Blue White Breakdown podcast time. Blue White game week. It's Wednesday. I'm with Daniel Gallen. He is up in State College. I'm back in Harrisburg. Daniel, the weather is starting to warm up a little bit the first couple days of the week. Were a little depressing. At least they were in Harrisburg. We are in late April, in my my view. So I was kind of expecting some fifties and sixties, and it was like windy and forty, and I'm like, I I can't do this much longer. But the weather, as we talk about this right now, Daniel, for the blue white game, it was eighty. De- it's supposed to be eighty degrees at one point. Now it's in the mid to high sixties, which Penn State fans will take if I think if they're going to the game and there's no rain. Uh, but it's time for, I guess this would be James Franklin's ninth blue-white game. He's in his ninth year. Who knows what to expect? There's going to be a couple of surprises, but you and I have followed the Lions pretty closely since his introductory press conference. And we're going to talk on this uh, podcast just about kind of what to expect, what to look for, maybe areas of concern coming out of spring because nothing's really going to change knock on wood in the scrimmage. You know, James is, I think is going to try and keep it pretty close to the vest. You can't touch the quarterbacks. You know, I don't think there's going to, I think a lot of the key veterans, they might make a token appearance. And by that, I mean, maybe a player too, but I think Saturday is really pretty much going to belong to, you know, the first and second year players, the January enrollees who are healthy, maybe some, uh, you know, third or fourth year players who they need to see more from. But this is really your first with anyone. This is your first blue white game. So uh, I'm sure it'll be a neat experience for you. I'm sure there'll be a lot of fans up there. Um, what are you looking forward to seeing on Saturday? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing the environment um, at Beaver Stadium. Uh, I've covered two spring games before uh, at Maryland once as a student, which was a there was a Friday night in 2013 when they did their spring game. And then uh, I think in April 2016, their spring game. And obviously, I know that up here things are, are very different. So I'm excited to see see what it looks like from an environment standpoint. But then, you know, from the on field standpoint, I'm finally kind of excited to see a, a new team. Uh, some of the the main characters from last year are gone. Uh, it's going to look pretty similar to what we saw in the bowl game in terms of personnel, but I'm excited to see some of the players who've made strides 
uh, how the lineup looks a little different and then going going from there. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing these these Nittany Lions back on the field, being up above in the press box, being able to look down and kind of actually see the mechanics, see the personnel, see how things are really working. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And as I said, it's it's just going to be one of those things where I think it's safe to say, I don't want to speak for all of the Penn State fans that will either be watching the game or even in attendance. You know, it's gonna, the game will probably be about two hours if you want to call it a game. But I, I have to think that if I had to list the players maybe they're most excited about seeing – Regardless of their status on the team, I think the two young quarterbacks, the January enrollees, Drew Aller, Bo Prabula, and I think I think Nick Singleton, the January enrollee running back, assuming that they play, and I have no reason to believe that they won't play, I think that's probably at the at the top of the list for most fans. For what do these guys look like? How do the quarterbacks throw the ball? How does Singleton move? And it's it's really it's it's not it's just nothing more than a practice. But this is going to be their real first look to see at them. And a lot of them will see them. Their their, their players here, their bodies have been remade through uh, January conditioning and, and uh, weightlifting, so they're going to look a little different. Hopefully, a little bit bigger. But I would have to think those are probably the three. If they're you had to list ten players, those three are going to be at the top of most fans' lists. Yeah, definitely. I mean. Aller is the five-star recruit. Prabula is just, he's a quarterback. Everyone wants to see the quarterback, especially after, you know, going into the sixth year of Sean Clifford. I think we've discussed that there's probably a segment of the fan base that just wants to see something different. Uh, And then Singleton is another five-star recruit, number one running back in the country by some rankings, star at Governor Mifflin, in-state kid. All three of those players kind of have the, they've got the juice uh, this weekend or as much juice as you can have in a spring game. So I think people are going to be really excited just to kind of see how they look, get their first look at them in uniform um, and kind of see where they are kind of physically. I mean, I think that that's the that's the big thing is that when we go to spring practice or when we go to practice, we see these individual drills. Maybe we'll see a couple snaps of 11 on 11, depending on the day. But I think now we'll get to see Nick Singleton running to the edge with a defender in pursuit and we can kind of you know, compare that to, to what we already know about some of the players on the defense where we, we kind of know what we have in Curtis Jacobs or Jair Brown and then comparing the new guys to them. Uh, I think that that's something that'll be very useful this weekend uh, in terms of an exercise. But, you know, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. Guys that I'm excited to see and obviously Aller, Prabula, Singleton, and I'd add Katron Allen in there too, the running back. Those are kind of, those are four guys that I think are, at the top of the list because they're they play positions where you can kind of physically see what they're doing and and kind of what it looks like compared to other guys who play that position. I just wanted to go through first we'll start with some players that were probably eager to see, but I, I have to say this. Uh, having seen James Franklin in spring for all nine of his years, I don't know that I've ever heard him from start to finish of a spring consistently express one concern over all others. You know, there's a lot of, usually in spring, there's a lot of, well, pleasant surprises, guys who have really made some strides. We, we were concerned about this position group, but the depth, we've been, we've been pleased 
um, with some of the strides guys have made. Well, it's I think it's been a little bit different in my view this year, Daniel, because I don't remember him kind of sounding the alarm about the offensive line and specifically the offensive line depth, lack of it, as much as he has. He Literally from his first press conference uh, and first question about the offensive line, he pretty much went into great. He even volunteered the information. He didn't. It wasn't even had to be pried out of him. You know, James's thing has been basically we got all right. We got one one offensive line that consists of a first team, possibly, but behind them, whether it's guys who because guys who have left or guys who are unavailable, we're very shorthanded. We really can't field a second team O line. Things may change, or they should change in August, but. Does it strike you that he's a little bit he's he's super concerned about the offensive line? I'm not exactly sure that I would say that it's super concerned with where it is right now cuz because I think that you know that there are numbers coming that there's going to be reinforcements. I've kind of read some of the recent comments about the offensive line as maybe maybe lowering expectations for what you're going to see in the blue white game a little bit. Who knows what these spring games look like every School does it differently. I'm sure almost every school would prefer to have either a closed door scrimmage or just a 15th closed door practice where they can work on some little things. But I kind of viewed it as sort of, you know, like, hey, like this is what we're working with. It's going to affect the blue white game. Just giving you that heads up now um, as we get there. But I was reading a, another Penn State site uh, a couple days ago and it pointed out that. This offseason, there are also two former walk-ons who transferred out, uh, Caleb Conigas and Will Knudsen. They were reserve guys. I think they maybe both played in the Rutgers game, maybe. Um, <laughs> kind of, you know, really bottom of the depth chart. But they went to the transfer portal to try to end their careers elsewhere playing. And I think that that's kind of another factor that you have to think about, too, in terms of the the portal and some of these walk-ons and, and lower depth chart guys going elsewhere. I mean, it's not just injuries and and stuff at the top but they entered spring with with a really slim margin i mean james franklin gave us that two deep the first day of practice and on that two deep there was a a converted defensive tackle who was helping out so that was kind of a sign and when you only have 10 offensive linemen one or two are banged up or you're bringing along them bringing along one or two slowly i mean it it really does add up quickly I think right now, I mean, you know Hunter Norzad is coming. You know Malik McNeil, Vega Ione, and um, Drew Shelton are coming. They'll help out with the numbers. Um, and then you'll theoretically have everybody healthy coming into August. So I'm not too, too concerned about it with where they are. I mean, I'm sure that James Franklin has kind of talked about it. It does hurt kind of them getting done what they want to do over the course of practice and trying to distribute reps evenly and things like that. But overall, I mean, I think that it's just a product of, of where you are in the calendar, where you are in terms of the, the transfer portal and just kind of the, the overall numbers. And next year, I think it'll be something, something a little different. Yeah, I, but I'm, I just say with, with regard to how they're opening the season, if the reinforcements you're talking about are a couple of August, January, or August through freshman 
practice participants. Hunter Norzad, I get. Now, obviously, they, they ha- probably have plans for him. I am still, and I'm sure this will be outdated by the time he talks, uh, you know, Wednesday night at practice. We're doing this late Wednesday morning. I'm still, he's on the roster. I'm guessing he's hurt. He's never been mentioned. Bryce Effner, he played last year. In your mind, is he part of is he part of the August help that is on the way, or is that just one of the one of the mysteries uh, so far of camp that he is technically on the roster, I believe, but there's just he, there's he's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, Efner didn't play in the Outback Bowl, and I think he was unavailable in the last couple games. I forget if he played in the Michigan State game or not. But I, I would kind of chalk that up into one of those injuries that that James Franklin doesn't talk about or <laughs> someone working that they're bringing along slowly. So, yeah, I mean, I think I would include him there, too. And and suddenly you go from what we were talking about, the, the two deep minus the converted defensive tackle, Alex Fermanek. Like, so that's 10 guys. Add in Efner, you get to 11. Get to Norzad, add in 12. The three incoming freshmen gets you to 15. I think that by the time you get to fall camp, you'll be in good shape. And I think that this will be something as they go into next year that they'll kind of have, have in mind. Uh, we've seen it a little bit on the recruiting trail. I think that they've added three preferred walk-on offensive linemen in the past three or four days, maybe. It's either three or four, uh, including a, a kid from Georgia who flipped his walk-on uh, destination from Oregon to Penn State. Um, <laughs> I think that it's a little bit different, and I think that that's kind of a sign that they're kind of looking towards next year in terms of boosting the bottom of the roster. Um, you know, I think that is just kind of the the changing nature of roster management in, in college football. But even if this causes some alterations to spring practice and to the spring game, the guys who are healthy are getting plenty of reps. And I think that we would all agree that those players need a lot of reps. And then once you get to the fall, you'll have a lot more reinforcements in terms of new additions and returns to health. And then you can kind of go on from there. Right. Um, before we get to the players you're looking forward to seeing, one note surfaced late last week, Zariah Fisher. Not a, He's not necessarily a young defense end. I think he's in his third year, but I think he's a guy that they were pretty excited about. He was up to 260. He was holding the weight. I think they had plans for him to be a rotation end for sure, top four, probably maybe top five, depending on how August shakes out with a couple other players that are on the way. But he is going to be unavailable for the defensive end room. I don't know what the ex- your expectations were for him this year, but you know when you lose Arnold Ebichetti and you lose Jesse Lucetta, Nick Tarburton is probably DN number one. Until you're sure Adisa Isaac is 100% ready to go. I think every little bit hurts when you're talking about uh, a loss due to injury. Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk about a, the depth at a position that is going to be you're going to be concerned about in the fall, I think that defensive end is one that definitely stands out to me. Obviously, you can kind of pencil in Tarburton, Tarburton and Isaac as the starters. Adding Damian Robinson in the transfer portal helps, um, but he'll be a young second year player. Um, a lot of talent there, but probably some some rawness and some some molding that needs to be done. Smith Vilberton has been very quiet this spring. And they've been very quiet in talking about him. That's that's what's driving me nuts is no one's talking about him. Nick Tarburton had some nice things to say about him yesterday. <laughs> um, and then Amin Vanover uh, is another wild card. And then you'll add Deny Dennis Sutton this summer. And then I think Ken Talley is listed as an edge rusher, also been listed as a linebacker. It'll be interesting to see where that incoming freshman shakes out. But 
it is a thin group. I mean, James Franklin, before uh, the Zariah Fisher injury was public, James Franklin was publicly saying that they need help uh, in terms of pass rush from the transfer portal. And then Damian Robinson committed the next week. Then then the Zariah Fisher news comes out. So it's that's an area of need, and that's something that can really affect a game. Uh, we saw, I mean, Arnold Abichetti had more than a third of Penn State sacks last year, and a lot of those sacks came in really, really big spots. So uh, Penn State is going to need that pass rush to to step up. Nick Tarburton said yesterday that that's an area of his game that he's really focused on this offseason. Um, I think he had one sack last year, and I think it was in the bowl game. That's something that he said that he really wants to get better at, working with John Scott and Deion Barnes and, and hoping that that kind of comes around and, and can help off the edge. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Let's get to the guys we're, we're, we're hoping to see. We're looking forward to see if they actually do play. I'm just going to I'm going to tee you up because I know you want to talk about them. Zaki Wheatley, defensive back, making the switch. Corner to safety. Uh, I know he's on your list. Your thoughts on him and what they said about him this spring and maybe some other players that you're probably going to have on your list for Saturday's game. Yeah, Zaki Wheatley is a really interesting one. He's Every spring, it seems like there are certain names that kind of pop up here and there. I would definitely say that Zaki Wheatley is one of them. Uh, Nick Tarburton called him a bit of a ball hawk yesterday. He thinks that Wheatley might be leading the defense in interceptions this spring. So I think Wheatley's number one. He's the redshirt freshman from Archbishop Spalding in Maryland. He converted from cornerback to safety earlier this year. He's a bigger kid at six foot two. I don't have his weight in front of me, but I think that Penn State kind of looks looks to size a little bit at safety. I think Nick Tarburton said that he's not afraid to really mix it up uh, in the run game either, which is what you like to see from Penn State safeties. We talked about that spot next to Jair Brown that we've mostly kind of been Okay, Jalen Reed or Keaton Ellis. Uh, Wheatley coming in and making this kind of impression. Who knows whether or not he has enough to kind of overtake both of those guys. But I think that that's another interesting thing to see. James Franklin, I think it was James Franklin said he wants to have four safeties. Uh, preferably wants to have six. And I think that once you add in the the four newcomers, including Tyrese Mills, the, the Juco guy, I think they'll be able to have six playable-ish guys back there or guys that can be backups and, and play special teams. So I think that that's interesting. Jaquan Brisker's departure obviously leaves a really big hole back there that isn't going to be replaced by just one guy. So if Zaki Wheatley can kind of take a step forward, um, I think that that's, that's a good start in terms of boosting that depth at a key spot. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, I do like uh, Jalen Reed. Obviously, I think he's a he's almost he, if he's a, if he's still two hundred ten pounds, he's almost that hybrid size that maybe somebody like Manny Diaz might covet. I think they're going to do some things differently with their safeties uh, that, than Brent Pry did when he was at Penn State. But we're going to have to wait and see what that looks at. A guy that I am looking forward to seeing, not to circle back to the offensive line for a negative reason, but. 
I think this is a I think this was a big spring and it's going to be a big August for Landon Tengwall. I know I know that Penn State has plans. I think they do. Uh, for Hunter Norzad, when he arrives, uh, the the Ivy League transfer who was a standout at the FCS level, when he arrives in August, you have Juice Scruggs, I think, locked in at center. So I think you know, and and with uh, Salim Wormley coming back off a looks like it was pretty significant injury, you know, I think Landon, you know, it it could come down to there could be a scenario, Daniel, where. They're going to start Juice inside, and they're going to start Norzad inside, if not right away, but very soon, much like they did uh, with Wilson last year. He came into the Wisconsin game and was a starter uh, for much of the rest of the season. The The third inside spot could well could well come down to either Tangwall or Wormley. And I, I think Tangwall, considering how highly thought of he was on the recruiting trail, considering how much bigger he's gotten, how much stronger he's gotten, um, he can play tackle, but I think guard might be where he fits best on this team, at least now. I think it's a big spring for him. I'm anxious to see what he can do, and I'm anxious to maybe hear either Phil Troutwine or James talk about how he, they think the guards played in spring. But Tangwall, a guy that was really, really sought after uh, when, when Penn State put together that recruiting class, is a guy to me that I'm going to be looking forward to seeing. Definitely. I'm in, I'm in the same boat with Tangwall. I think that We've heard a lot of really good things about Olu Fashanu at left tackle. Um, and if Tangwall can kind of hit that potential that has been teased out there, I think that the left side of the Penn State offensive line this year could be really young, which obviously youth can can lead to some mistakes. But I think that it could be really talented and have a very high ceiling. In terms of more players that I'm interested to see and going back to the defensive side of the ball, Kobe King and Jamari Budden, the linebackers, both of them were close to, you know, we thought we were going to see a lot of them in the bowl game with the little, but Penn State elected to keep their red shirts. Uh, Kobe King is competing with Tyler Elsden uh, for the starting middle linebacker job. Uh, Jamari Budden looks like he's firmly on the two deep as a backup um, on the outside. But I think that seeing both of those guys in some extended run, uh, I think will be pretty informative. Like we said last year, Penn State, Penn State got through the year in terms of linebacker depth, pretty lucky. No one missed significant time with injury. Ellis Brooks had the targeting thing, and that was really the only extended absence they had. And they had kind of a built-in backup plan with Jesse Lucetta uh, being able to move from defensive line. So Kobe King and Jamari Budden, even if neither are starters this fall, both are going to have key roles in terms of depth backups if they're needed. And I think we can kind of see what those players look like right now. I would agree with that. Linebacker to me is one of those, you know, I think we're going to see Manny do some things differently with his linebackers than maybe Brent did. You kind of knew what you were going to get from Brent as far as, you know, um, you know, how he kind of deployed his defense. I'm not, we, we just don't know enough about Manny and I don't, I'm sure he's not going to show a lot in the, in the blue white game. I'm going to throw another play. He's not that young, but I'm going to throw another player out there that I hope to see, uh, a lot of, and that's Christian Veyu for a number of reasons. I mean, y- you know, I, th- I think that both James uh, and Mike Yersitz made it pr- crystal clear that Clifford was going to get, A, not only was he going to be the, the guy, which wasn't a surprise, but I think he got a, it looked like he got a pretty heavy workload throughout spring. I think they wanted to make sure 
in the second year of Yersich's offense that he he was ready to take that step forward. And I I don't know what that meant though for for Christian and the two January January enrollees in spring drills as far as re- meaningful reps. Um, we we only saw them for very small sections of one practice a week. But Veyu is a guy that has arm talent, and I, I just think that you hate to turn the page on spring at the blue white game because I think I think you and I know that maybe in the in a week in the the week that you know after spring practice maybe ten days out from. Uh, spring practice, it would not surprise me if a couple of Penn State players opted to go into the transfer portal. There are a lot of good running backs on this team. If you count the freshmen, if you count Kevon Lee, what does that mean for Devin Ford? What does it mean for Kaziah Holmes? Excuse me. But even in the quarterback room, I want to see. I want to see how Veyu kind of. He just hasn't had a lot of work. We have other than the Rutgers game. And that was really the second half of the Rutgers game. We haven't really seen him that much. He got a little bit of run at the end of the Outback Bowl, but he was kind of running for his life, and the game was kind of over. I think everyone assumes that one of the freshmen is going to make a strong push at some point, whether it's the spring or in August. But I just wonder where Veyu fits in the plans for Penn State because you don't really hear – maybe it's because they don't specifically ask about him. Everyone wants to know about the freshmen. They don't – I haven't heard Mike Gerson say a lot about Kristen Veyu when he's been given the opportunity. And even James, I think, has kind of been – I kind of feel like the kid's an afterthought, and I'm not sure – I think he's more talented than that. I think the one thing about Veyu that I – why I really want to see him on Saturday is that we we know a little bit more about him now. Uh, some of the things that players have said in terms of uh, that he's he's pretty cool, he's pretty calm. It sounds like he's one of those guys who – kind of doesn't have a pulse back there, which is always an interesting, interesting at the quarterback position. And it seems that he really carries himself in that way. You know, we didn't know that until kind of after the Rutgers game when players are saying that. And a couple guys have said that this spring about him. So I think that I'm curious in using what we know about him now and kind of uh, seeing that on the field and kind of knowing a little bit more kind of, for lack of a better term, what what his deal is, what type of quarterback he is, what type of leader he is, and kind of seeing that in practice now and, and being a lot more aware of it. So I think that that's something that I want to see Veyu to pay a little bit more attention to in terms of seeing his demeanor through his body language, seeing how he interacts with his teammates in the huddle. You know, all we hear about Sean Clifford is how fiery he is, how intense he is. And it seems like Veyu is a little bit of the inverse of that or the opposite of that. So uh, I think that that's something I'm, I'm really curious and, and want to pay more attention to this Saturday. Daniel, do you have maybe one or two more guys that are, you can, you can share your list. I know you're still forming it, but is there another, is there another name that if, if he does, he's healthy enough is a must see for you. You're going to make sure your binoculars are going to be watching him maybe a little bit. I think I'll go pretty far down the tight end depth chart. And, oh, yeah. and I want to see Khalil Dinkins. Uh, he, he redshirted last year. Um, and obviously the, the tight end pecking order is pretty set. I mean, everyone is back in terms of Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren. Uh, I'm interested to see how those guys, how their roles change, if at all. But I'm just kind of interested to see Khalil Dinkins because it's such a physically impressive room. Warren Johnson, Warren and Johnson are just really, really big athletes. And I want to see how, um, how Khalil Dinkins stacks up there. Jerry Cross, the, the early enrollee, 
he's someone who is, I think he's 6'6", 255 or, or something enormous like that. And he's someone who will probably need some, some weight room time, some seasoning time. But I think that Penn State has really put together uh, a very physically imposing tight end room. We've talked about it before how, well, we need to see how that translates onto the field. But I, I think that Cleo Dinkins is someone who, you know, Penn State, I think, kind of knows what it has in those top three guys, wants to keep them healthy. So I think that Dinkins is someone we could end up seeing a lot of and, you know, maybe make a bit of an impression on us. All right. Do you have, did you get your parking pass uh, that <laughs> figured out? There was a little panic on the beat earlier this week because – they're they're all they're all digital. They're all digital parking passes for the blue white game. We able to successfully navigate that two step process to to get it on your phone and have it ready for the game. And I guess they're all. That's great that they gave us parking passes, but I think it's it's still going to be first come first serve. So if anyone's planning on getting to the blue white game like an hour before the game, you might be parked somewhere in Bullsburg. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are anxious if the weather's nice. They're going to want to see. Penn State scrimmage the the blue and the white, but is your parking? Do you have any concerns about your parking, Daniel? I, I got to get my Apple Wallet set up later today, and I assume that all I got. I got to figure out what time I'm going to leave. Press box opens at eleven. Yeah, so you know, maybe if I leave here at seven fifteen, I'll make <laughs> it over in time. We'll see. I've asked you this before. Is it walkable for you, or do you, is it just a little bit too far to kind of walk for uh, you? I. It's it's definitely walkable. Um, I think it would maybe take. I walked I actually walked downtown uh, last week. It was a forty five minute walk uh, from where I am down to uh, College Ave, which in the city is in like in Philadelphia and New York. That's no big deal. And here it feels a little bit longer. There's a a really steep hill uh, involved too. But now it's walkable, but I don't think anyone wants to wants to see me show up to the press box drenched in sweat and uh, and and a little sunburn. So I do that more for more for my my colleagues than myself. Okay, last one. Do you have a? I asked Dave Jones this. He gave me an answer. I am on record. Do you have a a, a pick for blue white game MVP? Is there somebody you think that could steal the show? Typically, it's somebody that no one ever expects. There's a big history of like walk-ons, kind of you know Dan Chisena, Cole Chipielli. There's usually some guys that that kind of this is kind of their time to shine. Uh, do you have anyone in mind? Is there any long shot or somebody that you're going to be looking for? And do you want to make a prediction right now on the blue white breakdown? Oh, let's say let's say Jaden or no Harrison Wallace. Harrison Ooh. Wallace. I think the uh, redshirt freshman wide receiver. He's going to get some run. Uh, Keandre Lambert Smith uh, mentioned him last week. I, I think that he's someone that that could make some plays and is regarded as a good athlete. Yes, yeah, so. so we, we all went skill guy receivers. You said Harrison Wallace. Dave said Malik Mega, and I'm still I'm still going to go with Theo Johnson. I don't know how much he's going to play, but it's it's I mean it's almost it's going to be an offensive guy. I think so. Those are our picks. We didn't go with the chalk. We didn't pick any <laughs> quarterbacks. No one picked Nick Singleton. Uh, Kevon Lee hopefully will not. This is the, so. This is the game where I do not want to see Kevon Lee carry the ball a lot. That's <laughs> the irony of the blue white game. I've been pounding the table for this guy since like early October, and now I'm like, yeah, a couple carries get him out of the game because he looks he looks really good. I don't. I think he's going to be a force in the Big Ten, and I think big, the Penn State running back room looks really really good. That's why I mentioned the transfer portal because I have to think. I don't think it's big enough for five guys coming in going into the season especially with 
I think Devin Ford is now in his fourth year, and I think Kazai is in his third year. I mean, if they if those three other three guys are look as good and, and they play as good as their teammates and coaches think, I think it might be decision time for at least one of them. But we'll see. That's what the that's what the post blue white game. That's what the May experience is all about. Is what's going on in the transfer portal? Who's leaving? Who's staying? And what are we doing for vacation in June and July? But that's we're, now I know I'm boring our audience. Daniel, a pleasure. You and you and Dustin Hawkinsmith are going to talk about I think a lot about recruiting. Maybe give some updates uh, as far as uh, blue white game visitors, whether it's targets, verbal commitments, former lines, whatever you got. Feel free to share it with our uh, audience. And I know between now and Saturday, you're going to have a great next couple of days. You're going to figure out that whole parking parking pass walking thing. And it's going to be, this is your first blue-white game. I want it to be the best one you've ever experienced. I hope so too, Bob. All right, you guys, take care. Daniel and Dustin will be back a little bit later in the week. And then we will have plenty to write about and maybe talk about via video about the blue-white game on Saturday. This has been the Blue-White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.